Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. Yeah, I'm excited this morning. I wanna... So we're, we're starting a new series this morning. And I don't know if you've seen that, um, but uh, it's called The Gift. And this was, I, got, I had a birthday recently, not an important one at all. And um, someone gave me this packet for my gift. It is Make It Epic Hot Wheels. Boom. I mean, it's a classic 40 birthday packaging. I mean, it's, it's kind of like you're not sure what's inside there. You're like, they definitely regifted that package. Who knows what a regift is? In, in these economic times, we know what a regift is. It's like someone gives you a gift, and then you think, that would be awesome for me, but even better for Johnny, whose birthday it is next weekend. Although the problem is, Johnny was 14 or 12 and loves Hot Wheels, which is all good. Just having a bit of fun. And then sometimes you get given gifts that you just, you're not quite sure, is it a regift? Like this one. Just, I mean, like, I mean, I don't know about you. I'm like a sentimental guy, and the gifts you think, like, for me, if I'm buying a gift, I'm walking, I'm putting an F, I'm thinking, what would they really want? Not what I want. It's like, not what I, what would they want? If it's Michael, it's like sweaters and scarves and facial cream. <laughs> I'm just saying, it, it might be that. It, it might be um, socks for Quinton, you know, that would be socks, caps for Darren. That's how, but then someone buys you something when they know your whole life you have supported a team called the Sharks. <laughs> so you think maybe it was a re-gift. Maybe someone else gave them that jersey. And then you turn it around, <laughs> and it has your name and the number 40. Now, first of all, there aren't 40 players in a rugby team. That's called the IPL or American football, but it's all good. God is doing things, and, uh, and this is a good gift. It's a good gift. Actually, and then, and then sometimes you get people who know you really well, and they're giving you a gift not just for you, but for them. What do I mean? Well, I have neighbors. One of them is Keith Hickman. He's a very handy guy. He got blessed with an unhandy guy next door. And so for my birthday from Keith, I got two things. The first one. Anyone know what this is? Anyone know? Anyone know? Take someone, shout it out. It's a Giza element spanner. It works for one thing in the world. That's it. It removes and replaces Giza elements. Now, I've had to do that before, and I've used kids every time. So I think it's more of a hint than a present. Like, do it yourself. The problem is, and, and then there's another gift, which is something else called a multimeter. Because I have a motorbike that is very old and requires recharging a lot, and I had battery issues. And so I needed to borrow Keith and his multimeter. The only problem with this gift, it doesn't come with Keith. <laughs> so I'm on Google trying to understand how to use this gift, but I'll still need Keith. He just doesn't know it yet. I'll just have my own multimeter. Don't worry about bringing your multimeter. I got one. But I, I love gifts. And this series, we are speaking about a good gift, an amazing gift given by a good father, 
we understand that God is the giver of good gifts. That's what his word tells us. And um, as much as I love gifts, I, 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 some gifts are important and change our worlds. And some um, equip us, enable us, some encourage us. But there's this gift. And I want to just take us back a little bit before I speak about the gift itself. I want to take us to the context of Jesus and his disciples. Remember those guys? Fishermen, tax collector, doctor. These guys who had jobs. These guys who had lives. They had built lives. They had families. They lived in communities where people didn't live. It wasn't like Tableview. Where, oh, where have you come from? And you're surprised when someone say, I grew up in Tableview. Because that's what it's like on the West Coast. Most people have moved here. Most people don't grow up in their towns where the disciples came from. You grew up. You grew into a man, you became old, and you lived and died in your little town. You knew everyone. And Jesus comes to these guys, these guys who, when he said, follow me, they left everything behind. Like everything, their jobs, their careers, their families, their everything, to do what? Follow Jesus. When we say follow Jesus to people in 2018, there's a history of following Jesus. There are people who follow Jesus. There are people, they understand this. The church, I can follow Jesus with the church. I'm in community. I, I don't necessarily have to leave my home. I don't necessarily have to leave my church or what, my, my community, although those things might happen. When I make that initial decision to follow Jesus, what am I doing? I'm with the church gathering to worship Jesus, and there's some cost to that. You've got to get up a little earlier sometimes on a Sunday. You've got to worship Him. You, he desires your presence as much as He desires to give you His presence. So He calls you to take moments and steal moments from busy lives to pursue Him. But for these guys, when Jesus said, follow me, Peter, James, all these guys, it meant leave everything and follow Jesus, the man. And they face challenge, they face ridicule, they, they face opposition, all to do just one thing, follow Jesus, be with Jesus. To follow Jesus, to these guys, to be a Christian was to be with Jesus. It wasn't to know about Jesus, it wasn't to have confidence in what Jesus had done, it was to be with him. Then Jesus comes to them in John chapter 13, and he drops the bombshell of bombshells. He says this, my children, that's how he spoke to his mates, my children, I will be with you only a little longer. You can just imagine Peter's like, uh, what? Hold on. He says, you will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I'm going, you cannot come. I mean, just imagine the disciples for a second. Their hearts start going, uh, hold on. This wasn't the deal I signed up for. The deal I signed up for was to be with you, Jesus. He carries on. He says, a new command, I give you, love one another as I've loved you so that you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And Simon Peter asked him, um, excuse me, Lord, where are you going? Basically, Simon Peter says to him, Jesus, really love one another. That's a good thing. Thank you for that command. A great thing. Thank you. Let's just get to the bigger point that you brushed over. You are leaving us. He is freaked out. He is, in common language, bummed. He is sad. He's a whole bunch. He says, Jesus, thanks for the love one another stuff. But it kind of feels like you brushed over a big thing that you are leaving us. And you're not going to be with us for longer. 
And Jesus replied, where I'm going, you cannot follow, but you will follow later. Okay, okay, so what's later? Oh, Jesus, it's like lunchtime. You're going to walk somewhere, and then we're going to follow. I get it, like Marco Polo, we're playing a game. We're playing a game, Jesus. You can just imagine, they're trying to work this all out. They've left everything behind. He says, leave your father and your mother and, and, and follow me. And Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I, I will lay down my life for you. And then Jesus drops bombshell number two. And Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. I mean, imagine Peter now. It's like, you've just told me you're leaving. Now he's saying, I'm going to disown me. You're the one that's leaving. I'm not leaving. You are leaving. You are disowning me. I mean, you can just, who here is like a normal person going, when I read the disciples, I read it like I'm one of them. I would have been taken aback by Jesus' position. And Jesus carries on. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Who knows he's saying that because their hearts are troubled. they majorly troubled right now. Sometimes when you read the Bible, I encourage you, put yourself in their shoes. Don't just, I think some, all too often we put ourselves in Jesus' shoes. Let's be honest. Like, obviously, I'm a lot like Jesus. So when I read the Bible, I read it like I am Jesus. No, I'm more like Peter most of the time. And so I hear, I've made all this for you, and we're going, you called us, and now you're gone. My heart is troubled. It says, you believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way, that to, the, you know the way to the place where I'm going. And just say, Peter, no, I don't. So you're going to go to your father's house. You're going to come back. You're not telling us when. You're not giving us a GPS. I mean, there was no ways or Google apps or maps or anything like that to get there. And he says, you know the way I'm going. You're like, Peter's, no, I don't know the way. I just imagine Peter, he, he starts singing, please don't go. Don't go. Please don't go. And, um, and But Jesus gives him a promise in this moment. It's like. Everything inside of Peter is shaking and stirred. Everything inside of him is cause for concern. Everything inside of him is like, what have I done? This dude is disappearing. He's come and changed the world. He's done a whole bunch of miracles, and now he's leaving. And then it continues in John chapter 14, verse 15. If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, which means another counselor, which means someone, another one just like me. I'm going to give you someone. What do you get given? You get given gifts to help you and to be with you forever. The spirit of truth. Oh, he's got a name. He's a person. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. Let's just start there. Peter's going, oh, now you're playing games, Jesus. You're giving us someone. You're sending someone, another one just like you, but we can't see him. I can see you, Jesus. I don't want this other dude I can't see. I like following someone I can see. Have you ever tried to follow someone you can't see? Have you? We, I remember going on a course 
when I was in the marketplace and they blindfold you. And now you're driving a car with someone next to you telling you where to drive. You don't generally go where you think you're going. When you can't see someone, the ability to follow them naturally is impaired. But Jesus says, I'm giving you another counselor, another advocate, someone who will plead your case, someone who will keep revealing the glory of the Father to you. I'm giving him to you. He will be with you forever. You see, Jesus had been 99% of the time in their presence, but there were times he sent them to the town to go get food, and he ministered the woman at the well. They weren't with Jesus. And then he sent them out to drive out demons, but he wasn't with them, so they struggled to do it. Why? Because they'd had the privilege of living life where every time their hearts were troubled, they just turn, and there's Jesus sleeping there, and it all makes sense. Every time the seas rose up and, and swelled down, the, Jesus would appear walking on water. Oh, there's Jesus. It's fine. I can see Jesus. But he's saying, I'm going, and I'm going to send you someone else who will be with you forever, never leaving you. For he lives with you, and I will be with you. I will not leave you as orphans. How many times did we sing about orphans this morning? So I won't leave you as orphans. Every single, we talk about the orphan spirit in the church, like it's a, a, a people in the corner of the church. Every single one of us is born with an orphan spirit. Every single one of us. And Jesus came so that we were no longer orphan spirited people. We were people with the spirit of truth inside of us who were revealing the Father to us constantly. Never to leave us alone. He says, I will come to you before long. The world will not see me anymore. But you will see me. How's that going to work? It says, because I live, you will also live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who lives, who loves me. The one who loves me will be obeyed by my Father, and I too will be loved them and show myself to them. It says, another counselor, another of the same kind. Uh, another one who can lead, who can heal, who can restore. Another one who can reveal the Father. Another one who, when you get perturbed, perplexed, and anxious, one who can lead you in that moment. Verse 25, I'm jumping around because it's a couple of chapters. All this I've spoken while I'm still, while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything that I've said to you. Okay, Peter, you can just imagine Peter's had these emotions. He's leaving. He's not leaving. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to be an orphan. I'm an orphan. Oh, he's staying. He's going. I'm not going to see him. But you can imagine just the settling start to come. says, oh, Jesus is leaving, but someone else called the Holy Spirit is being given to me forever to always reveal Jesus to me with wisdom and counsel and conscience. Verse 15 says, verse 26, when the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father. Okay, so the Father sent you Jesus, and the same good Father is sending this person called the Holy Spirit. Peter starts to settle more. The disciples and the anxiety start to settle. He will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. Verse 7, chapter 16, very truly I tell you, it is good, it is for your good that I'm going away. If he had started here, without chapters 13, 14, and 15, imagine Jesus just opened the conversation. Hey guys, love each other, new command, 
It's good for me to go. I can imagine their worlds. Imagine your world. Imagine my world. All of a sudden, Jesus said, I'm out of the story. But he takes them gently on a journey. He says, I'm giving you a gift. Another one, just the same kind as me. Another one sent from the goodness of the Father. Another one who reveals me and the Father. Keeps counseling you. Keeps calling on a story. He says, unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. He says, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. There's a whole bunch of words there. but, But I think when you put yourself in the disciples' shoes, you realize the gift of the Holy Spirit to the people of God is more than something, a trinket on the side of Christianity. It's much more. Much more. Not an optional extra for those charismatic Christians or the one who are still stuck in the renewal of the 70s. No, much more. Jesus had a plan. Jesus knew he had to go. Jesus said, I must leave so you can have someone who is with you always, forever. Who will lead you, who will guide you, who will show you. He's a gift. I want to pray for us this morning as we start this series. I pray, Spirit of God, you are here, Father, you are here, Jesus, your presence is here. We, I pray, would you preach about yourself this morning? As your word is read, I, I can't preach better than you. I, I pray, Spirit of God, would you preach about yourself into hearts and minds this morning? Bring freedom and life and bring an appetite. I pray for some even where there are mindsets and preconceptions about this Holy Spirit, this ghost, this Holy Ghost, or whatever they experience. I pray, God, would you settle it in your word this morning, that Jesus left so that the Father could send us a good gift, a good gift to walk with us, to be with us, to guide us. And just like Jesus with his disciples, Spirit of God, you are with us always. Preach about yourself, I pray this morning, God. Amen. Amen. I want to tell you a few things as we kick off this morning. We believe in the Trinity. As the Word speaks about Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three in one, perfectly equal in power and and ontology, but playing economically different roles in the gospel and the forward advancing of the kingdom of God in the renewal and restoration of all things. Some of you are like, what did he say? It's a big story. It's called the big story of the gospel. From the beginning to the end, God is renewing all things. And the Father seems to send the Son. And the Father seems to give the Spirit. And even though they are perfectly equal in all ways, they play different roles and parts in the story. And yet all are God. All are perfectly powerful. All bring restoration, freedom, and life. All three. And yet the challenge in much of the church story is we, we, we like the Marvel characters, seem to choose our favorites. I'm a Wolverine guy. I'm a Dash, or I can't even remember the other characters right now. That was awkward, bad example. But, but we come to the, the Trinity. I, I'm a Father guy. And, and the truth is, Jesus came to show us the Father. The Spirit of God comes to reveal to us the Father. It seems like the Son and the Spirit seem to always take us to the Father. So surely the Father is the pinnacle of the Trinity. No, that's not what they're saying. Just saying the Father's very good. Very gracious, very kind. Keeps pouring out 
I'm a father guy. I'm a Jesus guy. I sing about the cross. I never leave the cross. I only sing songs with the word cross in them. Even if it's I am cross. No. It's, it's, we, I, I just, if the song doesn't have Jesus in it, if, no, I'm, it's all about Jesus. No, it is only because of Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the only way, the truth, and the life. And yet Jesus says, it's good for me to go so that I can give you another gift that the Father sends. And then, then there's this guy that even the church are confused about, and it's the one thing that many movements disagree about. Even non-Christians actually have the concept of the Father God. They have the concept of this in control. They, they don't struggle with Christianity because there's a father in the picture. And many don't struggle, even in the church. Most of the church don't disagree about this guy named Jesus who gave his life and died on a cross. And we all at Christmas come before and worship and thank and remember and restore and take of communion to be reminded of his body and his blood. But when we come to the Holy Spirit, there is change, there is brokenness, there is division, there is a whole bunch of stuff. Not just, but it's because of the perspective of the Holy Spirit. Is he a person? Is he a power? Is he a force? Is he just the enforcer of the other two? Is he the the third wheel on a date? Who's ever had that experience? You thought you were going to a movie with your mate, and then he's got another mate who's got longer hair than you and prettier than you, and you realize you were just the third wheel. Happened before, it's uh, yeah. But is that who the Holy Spirit is in this story? Why preach about the Holy Spirit? I'm a why guy, so why preach? Well, number one, I don't believe you can have a full understanding or preach what God, just what God has done or wants to do without telling people that He still wants to do that and He still wants to breathe His life and that the intimacy with God is to be experienced today. In other words, the Holy Spirit, who leads us, guides us, and shows us, takes us, restores us, counsels us who never leaves us, who the Ephesians tells us we are sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. I can't chase him away. I'm sealed. You can't get a seal off. Well, that's why we preach about the Holy Spirit. That's why we speak. Secondly, Romans 8 verse 13, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you live by the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body and you will live. The, I believe that people, the life of people hangs on a vital experience and knowledge and belief, and encountering of the Holy Spirit. I don't just, I'm going to do this right. I'm going to get this right. I'm not going to do that. Try that. It's called white knuckle Christianity. It sucks. It's the hardest thing in the world. But empowered by the Spirit of God, led by the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God speaking, showing, leading, and empowering me to make that decision and to walk, changes the game. Third of all, I believe in miracles. I believe what Jesus did on the earth, and I believe he wasn't lying when he said, you will see greater things. But I know this thing, I cannot do it by myself. I need God. And the way God says he anoints his sons and daughters on this earth with an anointing, with a baptism of the Spirit of God, with a covering like an oil all over us, from top of our head to the bottom of our toes. Why anoint our toes? I don't know. But God, the Holy Spirit comes, given by the Father, so that we would see Jesus' things done on this earth. We cannot do it by proclamation alone. We cannot do it by repeating scriptures that we've known because we've studied them for us alive. We do it because we have been with God and God is with us. 
and Peter and John walked and they did a miracle and the people said they were amazed. They were amazed because they did miracles because they had been with him. There's a being with God that releases heaven realities and promises on this earth. My prayer is that we wouldn't just learn about the Holy Spirit in these couple of weeks. My prayer is that our hearts would open up to a relationship. I think much of the church are prejudiced against the person of the Holy Spirit through some bad teaching, through some reaction. There have been some crazy things in the church over the decades. Some have been around longer than me. You've seen some interesting things. I've seen some interesting things. And we live in a reaction to the day we saw interesting things. It's like the guys who never leave the bunker in their house until guys find them years later. Even though the war had stopped years before, they're still living in a bunker because they fear the war's still going on. We live with this reality of the past than what God has for us now. And I want to call you to a relationship. A relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit. Not just an inhabitness with the power of the Holy Spirit. Not just a desire to fulfill your Christian obligation to know of the Holy Spirit, but to have a relationship with this person of the Holy Spirit that Jesus said, I must go. Who wouldn't want Jesus in the room right now? I would love Jesus in the room right now. You know what Jesus says? He's in the room right now. Because His Spirit is here with us, revealing Him all the time. He never left us. But... We should think a whole bunch of things. We think the Holy Spirit is like this force, like Star Wars. You pack it away. You live life. You encounter someone who's sick. Going to pray for you now. Come, Holy Spirit. Now. And we whip him out when we need him and get back in there. I'm good now. I got this. It's weird. It's not what Jesus says. I don't believe that's what it means to be led by the Spirit of God. The everyday leading, the every situation leading. Who is speaking to you when you're in your boardroom and your company needs answers because they're about to do retrenchments and there are answers in heaven and you're going, God, I believe because your word says the answers. And who's speaking to you? Who's counseling you? Who's empowering you and anointing you with courage you didn't have before to speak the word of God in that moment, to save jobs? Oh, Mark, God doesn't care about saving jobs. Rubbish! He will reveal His glory in ways we never thought possible. When we shout, surely not, God says, I'll do it anyway because I don't need your approval. And He wants to take us on a journey of knowing Him. And, and, and for some, if you grew up in the 70s, 80s, and you went to dances, the Holy Spirit was the space between you and your dance partner. That's the Holy Spirit. That's like, there's the Holy Spirit. It's between us. Nice to be at the dance with you. It's weird, man. It's the Christian hug to demonstrate that God is between us. It's the, it's the one who, who, who kind of, oh, Jesus not available? Can I have the Holy Ghost? Is he there? Or an optional extra in the Christian journey, like, I I actually bought into Christianity like 17 years ago, but I want them all now, so can I have Jesus, the Father, and can I have that side called the Holy Spirit? And maybe I'll upsize one day. I want to take those options away from you. I want to say that you cannot do this Christian life without a relationship. A relationship, a knowledge, more than a knowledge, more than just a head knowledge, a relationship, a saying, actually, and I want to tell you that 
Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are different in themselves. I believe I can engage the Father. I can the, Sometimes in a room, I'm praying, God, Father, show me what you are doing. What are you doing, Father? And all of a sudden, compassion comes onto a man that needs God to reveal compassion to him. Sometimes God speaks and shows things. And Jesus, what are you doing? I'm wanting to roar over the captives and break chains. Spirit of God, what are you doing? I see that person in the corner. They need to hear the whispers of heaven now. I, I, I believe, and yet 301. And we don't fully get it, but God gets it. First big idea for today, I only have two. Can you handle two ideas? One, the Holy Spirit is God. I want you to, is God. You've got to settle that. You've got to believe it. You've got to know it. You've got to read the Word. When you read the Word, sometimes read the book of Acts, look for the Father. Then read the book of Acts again, look for Jesus. Read the book of Acts again, look for the Holy Spirit. Because it's called the Acts of the Holy Spirit, but it doesn't mean Jesus and Father aren't there. When you read the Old Testament, read Genesis, look for the Father. Read Genesis, look for the Spirit. Read Genesis, look for Jesus. They're always there. And co-equal with God, the Son of God, equal eternally with God. Romans 8 verse 9 puts it this way. However, you are not in the realm of the flesh, but you are in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. However, you can't just have the Father and the Son. And put the Holy Spirit over there. Actually, the apostle tells us, if you believe in Jesus, but you don't have the Spirit, you don't belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. The result of the Spirit of God in our lives is, is the result. It's the bond. It's the vehicle. It's the everlasting mutual love that we get pulled into of the Trinity. We can't do it by ourselves. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dance monkey dance to this Christian thing. And I'm just, if I keep practicing my dance moves, I watch my kid. He's playing cricket. He's, on the, he's at silly mid-off. He just feels there the whole time because he's hyperactive. He's doing dance moves between things. He's practicing. He's doing this. And then the week. I'm like, what are you doing? like practicing to get, I'm getting better at dancing. The problem is we think the same thing. I'm going to get better at this Christian thing. So every moment I'm going to practice it. I'm going to do that. I'm going to speak and resist. I'm going to declare. You can declare till you're blue in the face, but if you don't have a relationship with the Spirit of God, nothing will change. Nothing. Nothing. You can say all the Christian words. It can sound so good. You can talk it like a poet, but if you don't know God and have a relationship with Him, I promise you nothing will change. All you're doing is expending a whole bunch of energy and eventually your battery will go, God, where were you? And God will go, I was always here. You just didn't ask. You didn't ask. And he takes us on this journey. And Jesus says, in fact, it is best for me to go away. It is best. But I need you to understand, God, the Holy Spirit is God. The amazing thing about the Spirit of God, nowhere in the Scripture do you ever see the Spirit of God drawing attention to Himself, always showing the Father, always showing the Son, always showing the Father. So the problem is we think He's not important. And yet, you can't see the Father without Him. And you can't have a revelation of Jesus without Him. So don't discount Him because 
He places himself to, sh- to be the one revealing. Secondly, I want to tell you this. The Holy Spirit is a person. A person. You can have relationship with. You can engage. You can speak to. You can cry out to. You can respond. He's not a force or a tool. And when we reveal him, and let me tell you and give you some reasons why I believe the Holy Spirit is a person. Well, Ephesians 4 verse 30 says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. You can't grieve gravity. Gravity's bummed now because I jumped. Look at gravity. So sad. You can't grieve a force, but you can grieve a person. And Romans 8 verse 26 says, But the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans, and he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. The Spirit of God has a mind. A mind. The Spirit of God has a will. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 11. All those are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each individually as he wills. As he wills. There's a a will of the Spirit of God. Now, God is God and three are one. And yet the Spirit of God has this will within the knowledge of the perfection of the Trinity. He speaks, John 16, verse 13, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. The spirit of God speaks to us. He's called another counselor, speaking about a teacher in his own right. John 14, verse 26. And Romans 5 verse 5, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. God's love is poured out through relationship with the Spirit of God, poured out to us. I've got a little boy and you hear about him a lot. His name's Ben. He pours out love. He walked up to a lady the other day, I introduced him to, and he lives in the cloud sometimes, so he's out there. And I just said, Ben, have you said hello to this lady? And I mentioned him. He walked up to her, looked in her eyes with her big, his big blue eyes, and, and, and she took his arms and he started stroking her arms, just two forms like this. And she just began to weep because love was being poured out. God pours out his love by touching us when we don't know we needed it. And today, the problem is when we do something like the Holy Spirit and speak about the Holy Spirit, everyone wants to go, what does he do? I want what he does. I like what he does. And today, I want to encourage you, just want him. And if you've never thought you could have a relationship with him, you can. You can. He teaches us. He's our guarantee. He he makes us faithful. He shows us Jesus. You wonder why you're struggling to be faithful to the decisions you've made for Jesus. Well, you need the Spirit of God to do that. He fills us with joy. He pours out. He gives us supernatural wisdom. He encourages us. He speaks to us. He reveals to us that I am adopted, which he, He shows me in the presence of the Father. And He takes us on a journey and brings us. And what did Jesus say? On one occasion, while He was eating, with them. So he goes to heaven. He, he goes to the cross. He goes back to heaven and he comes back for 40 days. And then he says to them, he says, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. 
For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. The gift. The gift. And if I said to you, under your seats, there's an envelope. And everyone gets a car. There would be pandemonium in this place. People were running through doors. They're going to go see outside. And yet God has said, you don't have to look under a seat. I'm giving you a gift that changes your forever. Much more valuable to you than a car, than a house or a billion rand. I've given you God. Placed him inside. Can I invite the band up one more time, please? I want to tell you a few things this morning. Who deserves this gift? No one. Who, who has earned this gift? Oh, those Christians who've read the Bible through 16 times. They get the gift. No. Who can make it happen and, and, and receive and walk with the Spirit or no one? And we're going to speak through a bunch of things, but I want to read that scripture one more time. Romans 8, verse 13. And then we're going to take communion together this morning. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you live by the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. To, to be a son of God is to be led by the Spirit of God. To be led. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. You know why we take communion together in moments like this? Can you do it on your own? Yes. Do my wife and I do it on our own at times? Yes. But we cry because we cry, Abba, Father. There is a shout to the nations of the world that we have been adopted. We had no rights and ability to do it on our own, but we have been adopted. We have been chosen. We have been loved and received his love. And it's all been made possible by his body that was broken and his blood that was poured out for us. But the only way I walk out in that and the only way that becomes a reality and the only way that revelation leads me in this life through the loss of a daughter or the fruition of the promises of heaven. The only way I am led through those tragedy and mountaintop moments. The only way I can navigate is to be led by the Spirit of God. Said the Spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba Father. You want to know the Father? The only way to know the Father is to be led by the Spirit of God, who then pours out upon us a revelation that I am a son and I get to shout out, Daddy God. I don't have to shout out, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And that is the only way I can address him now. He says, Abba, it is a, a, a term of intimacy. Is God distant? Well, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal him to you because he's not distant. He's close. You're just struggling to see him. You just can't see him on your own. And he pulls us. Says the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. We can be led by the Spirit of God who brings us into the love of the Father and leads us by awakening our childlike affections for God.
We make it so sterile. We come to moments like this, like we've done it a thousand times and nothing will change. And yet every time I come to my kids and I tell them there's a gift, there's something new tomorrow, there's excitement that wells up. And I look into their eyes and say, God, give me childlike awareness of your goodness in my life. Otherwise, I lose the joy that you promised me. I want childlike awareness. 24-7, 365, every year of my life. And Eugene Peterson passes away a few weeks back. And everyone who was around his bed in those final hours said he was a testament of joy and life and exhilaration. Why? Because he was a man who walked with God, who was led by God, and many others. God wants to do that with us.